I was just trying to get those podcaster and voice actor millions. <laughs> all, those, all that podcasting money that you all that got uh, stashed yeah. away. That audiobook <laughs> narrator money I was going to get. <laughs> Oh, God, this is We Have Concerns. Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Jeff, I've got good news for you. Oh, good. I've been, I've been needing that lately. Uh, well, here it is. Your kids aren't assholes. You haven't been around them in, in a while, Anthony, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> no, listen, I know you've been cooped up with them for a month now. Yeah. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure it feels like your kids are assholes, but I can tell you without a doubt... Your kids are not assholes. At least they're not they're not assholes any more than any other kids have been throughout history. Okay. So if we're, on is, a, if we're on a, a sliding scale, if we're, if we're grading on a curve, they're not assholes. If you're grading on a curve, these kids are fine. And the reason I bring this up is because, and this is something that a lot of people are talking about right now with shelter in place, with quarantine, with all this stuff, is, um, is technology turning our kids into assholes. Oh, I'm so glad we get to talk about this because I've been very worried, particularly lately, because we had been pretty strict for the first couple of years of my son's life. But yes, the shelter in place, all the rules have gone out the window. It's a total slippery slope. TV time has gone up. Looking at the iPhone time has gone up. I I even gave my son my old 3DS and just said, here, Knock yourself out, kid. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I know that you've been, you actually, and this is something that people, people ask me all the time, and I'm sure people ask you all the time, is like, oh man, or say to you all the time, is like, oh man, your kid, when you have kids or your kid must have the coolest toys and play with the coolest stuff. And it's like, I always say, no, I'm going to give my kid a wooden block. That's right. That's my stuff. You I get earned wood- that stuff. That's that's not his stuff or her stuff. That that is yes, exactly. I that was the first two years of my son's life. Is is he didn't know that video games existed. I never played them around him. He never saw it. No, yeah. and it's not just. Well, I think it's funny that in your case, it's protection of your own stuff. For well, me, it was too. always like. Uh, for me, it was always like. Eh, I don't know. Like I had video games, but like screen time was very limited. All of like. Right. There was no there was no social networking. We didn't have portable devices like the like look, not to age myself, but like I the Game Boy came out when I was in like 5th grade, something like that. So like, right. you know, by the time by the time I was getting into video games, it was still only like, hey, you get a couple hours a day in front of the TV. If you want to spend some of that playing video games, that's some of your couple hours, you know, like right. All that stuff, um, all that went out the window when I got a computer because my parents believed that computers were educational because we didn't know they weren't yet. Yes, exactly. I had a computer in my room and it was just free reign to do whatever on the computer, you know? And, oh uh, my God, yeah. this, there's just the slowest downloading of porn and games at two in the morning. <laughs> do that ASCII porn though. It did the ASCII trick. ASCII porn. I it mean, did the trick. I, I, it did at the time. And this is another one of these reasons why we, I think we believe that kids are getting worse is like, you couldn't show ASCII porn to a kid now. No. But no, number one, because you'd get arrested. And then number yeah. two, because the kid would be like, this sucks. Where's the real porn? Yeah, exactly. What do I push play? Uh, yeah, for me, the, the downloading uh, was part of the was part of the allure, was part of the sexy time, was like, ooh, 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 another half an inch has come in on the screen. <laughs> Listen, in 30, to, in 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to have a picture <laughs> yeah. of Cindy Margolis in a, 
in a in a bikini and it's gonna be dope <laughs> it's i got like half 40 an inch minutes in it, and i got a half an inch if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> um so yeah I, I think there's this idea that now kids get so much screen time and they have their own devices so early they have mobile phones so early they're talking to alexa and they're like listen they're not just talking to alexa they're talking to alexa the same way we talk to alexa yeah i tell alexa to shut up <laughs> alexa you abuse lo- alexa uh, anthony Come on. Well, listen, she's Alexa just there to tries, help you. Mm, she butts into every conversation. Well, that's Alexa, because you talk, you, you throw her name around willy nilly. You know how many people's devices we've already triggered three times in this episode? Sometimes I'll just say something like, um, what are we going to do next? Or uh, what, you know what I mean? Like anything that just has like an ECS or an EX phonetic sound. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alexa's I just it was, like, I thought oh, it was. did you mean me? <laughs> I thought Did it was mean- more like she's like, I don't know. What are we going to do next? What's happening around here? <laughs> Even I'm feeling cooped up. It's been 30 days. Um, no, it, it, you know, Alexa was just kind of like, hey, Xbox. It's or. Yeah. Or, or Siri. Like sometimes Siri will just start talking to you and you're just like, Siri, I didn't say a goddamn thing to you. Shut yeah. your mouth, idiot. Can and- I tell you a, a real sad story? Yeah. Uh, my my uh, our nanny has a daughter. Mm-hmm. named alexa oh that's, that's just a problem. isn't that just it's just unfortunate right she's 14 years old there's no way to know it's just yeah. it's just an unfortunate tragic coincidence there's no way I'm, one of my one of my friends you know her is is named alexa as well yeah, and it's yeah. she was just like well it was a, it was a good run i had a good run <laughs> yeah and now yeah, i guess you got to change your name now now my life isn't mine well you can only <laughs> the problem is she can only change her name to either alexa or computer <laughs> <laughs> that's the rule yeah that's the rule um <laughs> it won't let you call it she won't let you call her anything else um but no i i have a lot of friends that are having kids now that are really worried about this i also have a lot of friends like now that we're adults like a buddy of mine uh who was listen they're the two biggest fuck-ups i ever knew were me and this guy okay mm-hmm. like that we were we were those two idiots and now um, he's got children and now he doesn't, he just had a baby, but he's also like, he's a chef now at a pretty, at a pretty big deal restaurant in Portland. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, he's just like, oh man, the, the teens and the, and the kids that we have coming in here, they're so much worse than we were. They're so much blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm telling you like those like millennials and Gen Z and they're all awful. I was like, dude, we were awful. Yeah. And he's like, no, but they're more awful. I was like, I don't think, I don't think so. I was like, we were usually, we were usually high and stealing or breaking something. (laughs) At least, at least the kids that you hired are coming to work. That's a major difference between us and those kids is I would wake up in the morning and sometimes I'd be like, I have work today, but instead I want waffles. And then I just wouldn't go to that job ever again. And now you've built a life where that's that is your job. That is my job is to eat waffles. <laughs> I'm the premier I'm the premier QA associate at the Waffle House and it's my job to go to random waffle houses around the country, put the most annoying waffle themed songs on the jukebox <laughs> and make sure that they're making the waffles as soggy and disgusting as we like the waffles to be at the Waffle House. It's the outfit, it's the waffle outfit that you wear that really sells all of it. When when you walk through the door, they know that the, the waffle man is here. Hard to be a secret shopper. And they honestly, they've told me not to wear the Waffle Man outfit. Yeah. But at the same time, like. It's like 90% up. of it. Hey, baby, I'm the Waffle Man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why would I hide that? Yeah. That's who I am. It's what I do. You're not going to um, go back and forth on that, right? 
See what I did? I'm not gonna. I I refuse to see what you did. I refuse. Um, but no. So like between between all my friends who are worried and this guy who is now in like a position of authority over kids, I was just like, this can't. I don't. I don't believe it. I personally don't believe because you and I have talked about this before. I don't believe that the internet and having access to this stuff is making kids worse. I think it's right. making people different. I think the idea of social interaction has changed. I think the idea of and I just think generationally, the idea of etiquette and what's polite and what's appropriate and the way people interact with uh, interact with authority and interact in public places, that just changes. And I don't right. think it gets worse. Um, and so I was like, I got to I just got to know. And so I found this story. It's a study that's from um, Ohio State. Go Buckeyes. What's up? <laughs> uh, I have weird. I have no pride in anything except weird residual pride about Ohio because so much of my family is there. I've never really lived there. Yeah, but, I never but went to school there. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I've but my alternative. Literally, is, never heard you talk about it. But you know, well, because nobody talks about Ohio, and also <laughs> my alternative would be to like be really proud of being from Florida, and we know that I'm not oh, going yeah. to do that. That's not. We happen. know that I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, go, yeah, so Buckeyes go Buckeyes is what I say. <laughs> Um, so there was a researcher who was having an argument just like this with his teenage son, which I think is hilarious. He's he saying is, you're worse. And son is saying, nah, he was at a pizzeria with his kid. This was a real TGIF fucking sitcom moment. <laughs> and, uh, he starts explaining to him how terrible his generation was in terms of social skills probably because of how much time they spend looking at screens right he said so, with pizza sauce dripping out of his mouth wiping it on his on his cargo pants that he got in 1997 as yeah. his kids on tiktok right yeah yeah uh because like listen before the days of mobile phones dad i probably brought a book with me to dinner with my parents at a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> i really did or a comic book or something i still wasn't paying attention but he was like it's because of how much time you spend looking at screens and this kid looked at him and goes, how do you know that? You're a researcher. You're a scientist. How do you know that? Hmm. I like that. I like that this kid. kid. Got it. Kid, kid's got moxie. Ooh, that kid's got spunk. But I'll tell you what, I never would have spoken to my elders that way. So maybe nah, he's right. They, no. I would have tasted the back of a hand. I would have, they would have tasted the back of my hand. <laughs> These are professors of sociology at Ohio State. This guy, okay. his name, uh, his name is Douglas Downey. Okay. And so he goes back to the school of sociology and he goes, my done kid done got me. I got got. I got yeah. burnt. He said, hey, fellow researchers, let's prove me right to my kid. Let's, yeah. let's spend our grant money mm -hmm. and all of the uh, tuition that we're allowed to spend in winning an argument over pizza I had with my kid. Yep, but it's the kids who are the problem. Am I right? Am I right, everybody? <laughs> let's get that. Uh, let's get that principal Skinner gif ready to go, boys. Right. Um, so he got together with his uh, colleague Benjamin Gibbs. Uh, you may remember from the Bee Gees. Mm, yeah, and they worked for years and just published a study online in the American Journal of Sociology. And kids are fine. There's no difference. Their study is kids are fine. They study as the kids how, are all right. How, I need to know the methodology of this study. They, what, what, I am so excited to tell you the methodology of this study. Okay. We, we take a kid and we, we compare him to uh, older, young kid from different generation. How do we do that? 
So there is something that's going on and has been going on for uh, probably about like 20 years now called the Early Childhood Longitudinal Study. Uh, and you as a parent, Jeff, might get, um, might get asked when your kids are in elementary school if you want to participate in this study. Okay. And what it is is basically uh, kids from the time they are in kindergarten, sometimes up through high school, sometimes up through eighth grade, um, they are... Uh, their teachers and their parents are given questionnaires about their habits and behavior. Okay. Okay. And what they do is they take all of that data and they compare it, right? So if you have a kindergartner in 1999 and a kindergartner in 2012, how did their teachers and parents respond to these questions about the social behavior of these individual children? And then they average. It was always bad. They were always complaining. Well, I mean, that's never... the thing, right? If they, <laughs> yeah. if they were always complaining at the same level, well, then obviously, like one thing that that uh, that doctor, that Professor Downey and Professor Gibbs did for their test is they immediately threw out the parent data. Yeah, parents like, are parents are not going to be honest. They're like, no, we don't need this parent data. That's oh, my my child is a beautiful, radiant snowflake. Which is, yeah. no, you don't need that. Um, we have literally had that experience, my wife and I, uh, with our preschool, uh, where you fill out, they want you to fill out the questionnaire, you know, one through five, how good are they at, at the thing? And it is one of the most difficult exercises you can have as a parent, because I don't know. I mean, I know, but like, what is, it, it, it's a test, it's not really a test of honesty. It's a test of self-reflection and the ability sure. to go, in what light is this being asked mm -hmm. and how because it's like well how good is your kid with language one through five well i think well, for like, me like fuck? i don't know yeah i think you can you can estimate and you're like oh my my kid's perfect or you can be like or even as a parent i think you can focus on things i mean it's just like anything else you could focus on things that you perceive as weaknesses in your child right but they're not but maybe you, your child's average maybe your child's above average you have no context of other people's kids. Exactly. You're around your kid all the time. You don't know how other people's kids are. You think your kid should be able to do something better than he or she is only because you and your peer group can. Right. <laughs> because other kids can. Well, that is, so that's what's kind of amazing about this, these longitudinal studies is you've got teachers who see, who number one, know where right. the development of kids are, is supposed to be. Number two, have groups of these kids, like hundreds right. of these kids every year. Um, and aren't emotionally invested in the outcome of the study. They, they're, yeah, I would not in the outcome of the study. I, I right. thought you were going to say not emotionally invested in the outcome of the kids. And I was like, well, teachers should be emotionally invested. In the, no, no, yeah, no, no, in I the think study. they are. Yeah. But in the study, they're not, you know, they're not going, I want the X kid or Y kid to shine. You know, they're not. They're oh, not. I can tell you as somebody, though, who's who's the son of a teacher and has a family full of teachers. Sometimes they do want specific kids to shine. Oh, yeah. Oh, if a teacher really likes a kid, if a teacher sees like something in the personality of a kid and really likes them, they will hmm. absolutely te like treat that kid differently. Sometimes uh, subconsciously, sometimes overtly. Sometimes they're like, I know this kid is horrible, but I just fucking love him. Yeah. There's something about this kid I really love. Um, humans, are, humans are humans, I guess. Humans are humans. Take the human out of the human. But one thing teachers can do is they can they can evaluate and grade on a scale right even if you love right. that horrible kid and you want that horrible kid to do well if that horrible kid doesn't do well 
It's your job as a teacher to put that down, right? So right. Uh, for Downey's study, they compared the ECLS data from 20,000 kids that were in kindergarten in 1998. Okay. And uh, 15,000 kids who were in kindergarten at, in 2010. The thing that's shocking is how many fewer kids were in kindergarten in 2010. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, I have no joke that's not going to be dark. <laughs> I have no joke that's not going to be. I have no joke that's not going to be too dark in this particular time that we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. And no, uh, I'm glad you edited yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fun anyway. way. No fun way to do that. Um, so what they did was they they kind of looked at these studies and they were trying to look at social skills they were trying to look at um interpersonal skills self-control um disciplinary stuff basically yeah disciplinary and social interaction and like what's up are kids more obnoxious now have the screens because if you look if you think about 1998 and then you think about 2010 yeah um 2010 is basically the iphone right so these right. are kids that were born in the age of the iPhone, where like 1998 is probably like a couple of years before Facebook. Yeah, the, all those kids, uh, all those 1998 kindergartners had pagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they were like all these little babies paging each other, uh, 411 <laughs> and 911. Yeah, yeah. You know, boobs. Boobs. You know, but for them, it was just like they were telling each other it was lunchtime. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. They didn't mean anything <laughs> by it other than I'm hungry. Uh, but... When looking at this data, there was like no difference. Similar patterns persisted as the children progressed. I guess I find that very encouraging because mm -hmm. I want to believe that we aren't destroying both ourselves and our progeny. You know, I, I would like to, I would like to believe that uh, my kids aren't worse off because social interaction has been converted into a screen. But even in the face of this data, even in the face of this study, I, my gut feels like there is something deteriorating. Well, there is something potentially harmful when my kid has got his face stuck in a screen, even though I'm the first to admit I had my face stuck into a screen a heck of a lot as a kid. Same. And I'll say this, some of that feeling that we have comes from our our feelings about the changing of social interaction so the change is what we don't like what yeah what, what you're saying the idea of staring at a screen all the time and getting emails and stuff like that and this is something we've talked about before and an excellent book on this subject is a book called the, the shallows by nicholas carr and he really wanted to study what the internet was doing to people's brains and uh, you know there's this feeling of we're scattered, we're anxious, we feel like we're not really connecting with people, like all of these things. But all of these things come from a place of comparison. They come from a place of what was my life like? What was social interaction like? What was my attention span like before this came into my life? This is, this is learning to use a tool versus being born with the tool in your hand, right? Right, right. Um, yeah. and, and we already know Douglas Adams quote that I always bring up about, yeah, you know, everything that was invented before you were born is the way that the world was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Everything that was invented before you were 30 is a way to make money. And everything that was invented after you're 30 is ruining the world. Yep. That's exactly it. And yeah. that's exactly the thesis of this study, which is like, 
it feels disruptive to us because during our formative years, the world did not work this way. Yeah. And so this is now a different way. This is you and me right now are, you know, my dad trying to set a VCR timer, (laughs) you know, and it's so obnoxious that I have to set this VCR timer. Meanwhile, I was, you know, I'm like six years old and I'm like, I'll show you how to do it, dad. You know, there kids don't, kids don't know, kids don't know the difference. And so it's more natural to them. Um, and we don't like how natural it is to them because it doesn't feel natural to us. So surely something unnatural must be happening to them. Yeah. Um, I will say this, there were a couple areas, um, there where there were exceptions to this data where things did get a little bit worse. Okay. I'm intrigued. The two groups of people, groups of kids that had worse disciplinary skills, worse self-control, slightly worse behavior, were kids that were gaming online a lot. Oh, no. And kids (laughs) that were checking social media, like, obsessively, like, hourly. Right. So, that's... That's the only two things that I use the internet for. Right. Yes. And I will say, as somebody with ADHD... Correlation is not causation. Sometimes it's the other way around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was a kid that was going to act out no matter what because of my brain chemistry. So just because I act out, but I also know that gaming was very attractive to me because you have, you're on those constant quick reward and, uh, uh, stimulation loops. Right. That games give you. And so for a kid that already has ADHD and, and, disciplinary problems that's a great thing to pour your hyper focus into Uh, yes and that's that's my biggest worry is that the way digital interactive media is being slowly fine-tuned into tweaking the lizard brain more and more efficiently more mm -hmm. and more effectively that we are it's not it's not it's not the social interactions perhaps that in and of themselves are the problem. It's the fact that the compulsion yeah. to do it, 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 it's addictive and I, and it's designed to be so. And I always point to the, the idea of using raw data and, and the fact that we as a, as a species don't realize how the collection and, and application of data is going to change us and in ways we can't even fathom you yeah. know, the fact that that advertising and political manipulation and just persuasion in general any kind of persuasion you want to do when you abstract it into large numbers it can become really fucking effective yeah and i think you know that is that is a huge i mean it's a connected thing yeah i think it's connected but also separate to this right right it's connected in that like i think we all agree that like uh, games that become forms of online gambling or uh, advertising that is kind of insidiously following you around and targeting you more and more and more. That's a huge issue. Right. Um, the thing that we're worried, the thing that this study is worried about is, is the act of just being exposed to more internet, being exposed to more screen time right. detrimental on its own. And I think with like this, this data that says kids that game and kids that uh, check social media a lot had worse behavior. I think what that's saying is we do need to pay attention to what kids have more addictive tendencies 
what kids right. have more uh more kind of uh tendencies to have attention problems you know those kids are going to have issues no matter what they're exposed to i was going to have an issue no matter what i was exposed to and it's yeah the w- the, the way I could, I, I definitely could imagine a study like this in 1997 or one in 1987 saying basically the same things about television. About television, you know, say, about video games, about arcades. They used to say this shit about arcades all the time. Yeah. And, um, and, Dungeons and, and Dragons. Before, right. It was comic books, yeah. you know. Moral and, panic is such a huge thing in every generation. Right. And it's an extension of that thing that we were talking about before, where it's like, um, and, and Downey actually even says this. He's like, the worries often involve moral panic over new technology. Adults are concerned when technological change starts to undermine what they consider to be traditional relationships, particularly yeah. the parent-child relationship. Anything that takes your kid away from you or makes it seem like your kid is not paying attention to you, makes it seem like your kid is not performing their best, makes it seem like you're not getting through to your kid, any yeah. of, anything that's like that is going to become the enemy. Whether it's a mobile phone or it's Dungeons and Dragons or it's a radio right. or it's a fucking Beatles album or it's, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Or it's, yeah. the, or it's the lute instead of the harpsichord. Maybe your kid is one of those fuckers that's like, ooh, not learning the harpsichord, learning the lute. No son of mine will be learning a lute or daughter. No, no child of mine will be learning the lute. Not in this house. We are a harpsichord family it's through this, and through. It's a simple instrument for simple minds. That's right. And I will not allow any child of mine to play such a peasant layabout instrument as the lute. You want a, you want a portable <laughs> instrument? Put your harpsichord on wheels. That's, yeah. that's, that's my solution. You want a portable instrument? Uh, maybe hire enough house servants to move your harpsichord from place to place. <laughs> like I did, yeah. like my father did before him and my father before him. Yes. You idiot. <laughs> um... <laughs> I will say that uh, I, I do want to say that um, the the effect, the difference in behavior for these kids that were like gamers or people, TikTokers or whatever uh, was very very. And I fucking love TikTok, Jeff. I'm on TikTok all the time now. Ooh, yeah, I love TikTok. Yeah. Why am I not surprised by that? Oh, dude. Uh, but I will say they said that it was a small effect. It was almost like. It was large enough where it's not like something that it was they had like to a, correct. It wasn't like a rate of change or like a or like a rounding error like that they had to correct for. Yeah, but it was very very slight. It was like it was like like a small effect, like nine seconds, but like looping. Mm-hmm. It was a looping effect, but like only nine seconds at a time. Uh, it, it was a humorous effect, no doubt. Uh-huh. And it was one where you could like, if you really looked at the effect I over see. and over over the course of the day, you I would, see. Uh, you think that TikToks are only nine seconds long? I don't have any idea. You have, you have no frame. Right. It took me a second because I was like, "What is nine seconds long that he's thinking about?" Uh, I don't know. What we is, gotta, how long is a TikTok? We got to get you on TikTok, buddy. It is so <laughs> funny. Do you know what I've been doing? What is a TikTok? A TikTok can be anywhere from like uh, from like twenty seconds to like a minute uh, to like a minute and a half or two minutes. Um, was Vine a nine second? What did I get the nine second thing from? Vine was just, six, and then it was fifteen. Yeah, see, see, I know what I'm talking about. You know what you're talking about. You're yeah. you're, you're welcome you're, back to We Have Concerns, listeners. Yeah, welcome back to We Have Concerns with Jeff Canada, technology expert. <laughs> technology. He hosted a show expert. for CNET. Oh, yeah. For years. He's a a tech reporter, and he understands everything that's going on. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, (laughs) 
you know what I do is I start sending you links to specific TikToks that I know you're going to find funny. Yeah, like a, I, like a drug dealer. Yeah, and after I do that for like five or six days, you find yourself installing TikTok. I've done it to yeah. so many people. TikTok is very good. Um, but so, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, Jeff, that your kids aren't assholes, at least no well, more than any great. other kids. I mean, I guess that's great. I guess, um, you know, let them let them have the internet as much as they want. Let them have it. I think there's still a place in this where it's like, hey, if your kid's doing shitty things on the internet... Like you want well, no, your kids, you want your kids to go outside and play, but some kids go outside and play and they smash mailboxes, right? Like yeah, right. you still have no, to think, watch your kid. I think that's the takeaway I got from all of this is it, it just like in previous generations, when you're talking about television or books or whatever the, whatever the wormhole into the child's brain is, it is about the content, not the medium. Yes. And so if you're using the internet to have interesting, stimulating, positive things for your kid, they will probably have interesting, stimulating, positive results. Mm-hmm. If it's garbage in, you get garbage out. And that's how it, you know, that's, yeah. I think, and, I think that's just the case across the board. And I even think it's, you know, I even think it's not as simple as garbage in, garbage out, right? Because if you were to look at the media that my parents let me watch, the things that my parents let me do... Like early, early childhood was definitely a lot of go outside and play in the sun or read a book. But there was also like a lot of fucking TV. There was also like a lot of like weird, like my parents started letting me watch, like we've talked about this before, really violent, gory, like Italian horror films and like strange, like (laughs) sex comedies and shit like that at the age of like five or six. And my parents were like, hey, so like, just remember everything you see is fake. If you have any questions, ask us questions. And uh, no matter, you have to promise us that no matter how scared you get, you won't try to sleep in our room. <laughs> that was it. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, cool, fine. And then I would watch right. like like the the most horrible shit, <laughs> like the most horrible <laughs> shit. I remember my I remember my dad bringing like uh, some Lucio Fulci movies home when I was like wow. five. And wow. then, but then also when I was like six, they brought home Rocky Horror for the first time. Oh, man. And I just sat and watched Rocky Horror, and I was just asking tons of questions. I had <laughs> so many questions about Rocky Horror. Um, wow. So I think, like, it's it's a holistic thing, right? Like, obviously, you can't just take away bad movies, and all of a sudden, your kid's fine. You can't just take away the screen, and all of a sudden, your kid's fine, right? Yeah. There's a certain amount of, like, obviously, my parents were trying to instill some sort of taste and critical thinking in me, where it's like, this is fake. Do you have questions? What is scaring mm. you about this? What do you like? What do you not like? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you got to make your kid think. That's all. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that's, but uh, listen, that's coming from a single guy who lives alone with a dog and eats ice cream three meals a day. So what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be back in those days. Yeah. It's, it's hard, man. It's particularly hard now, but, it, it, and you, you, you kind of learn from your kid what they're capable of handling and what, you know, like I, my kid, I think he would have a hard time sitting through a movie at this point. He's three and a half, but like a movie, regardless of what it is. Just no, the, there's the, no way. The length, you know? So. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, three and tough. a half is not, is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, I don't know, man. They're just, they're just little bundles of reaction. I'll tell you they though, just my react kid, to everything. <laughs> it's so true. But my kid loves screens. He loves, he doesn't, he he's not he he wants to just play have control over something. He mm-hmm. likes playing music. He loves getting on Spotify and just like going through music and um 
you know, he, he has oh, yeah, awful but, taste in music. But, oh, you know, God. he is. Listen, I've been but, meaning to say something. At least at least you picked up on it because I was like, OK, OK, Jack, this, this yeah. is like this is you need to stop playing this because Baby Shark is not a real song. <laughs> Baby Shark. Baby Shark is my daughter's song at, at almost two. Mm-hmm. My son is into uh, real heavy house music. Like oh, intense yeah. four on the floor, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. And, so he like yeah, yeah. So when I looked at your Spotify account, like your playlist, because I was looking for some new music, there was yeah. a list. That, there was a list that was called uh, derivative Euro trash, uh, and then parentheses overuse of the amen break. Yeah, that's and that's, uh, that's, that's the Jack. One. That's my son. Jack yeah. created that. And Jack he, created that one, and he titled it that way. Yeah, yeah. You should hear his mixes though. His mixes are transportive. You know, he, he knows, he knows how, to, I'm not even joking about this. He knows the like build up crescendo thing that happens in all those songs. Yeah. And he'll say, he'll stand there and say, dada, wait for it. Wait, wait for the for drop. It. And it's like, na 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 He's like, dada, wait for it. And then when it comes, he's like, puts his hands in the air. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Oh no, Jeff, you're not raising an EDM DJ, are you? I, I think that somehow that happened. Yeah. I mean, look, we've got to support your kid in whatever he wants to do and like nurture his interests, but um, that's disgusting. And I think you're a yeah. bad father. Well, can we get um, <laughs> that? Can we get that Bee Gees guy on this one? On get this, Barry Gibb on a study. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, everyone! Before we jump into our next story, I just wanted to thank you all once again uh, for your amazing reactions uh, and coming together as a community. Uh, as we've just brought this show back, it's been really wild. I've been hanging out on the discord, gotten to, yeah. gotten to like a huge conversation last night about, um, about portable games and like custom emulators and stuff like that. Like there's stuff going on in that discord for literally every interest you might have. And it's all full of people that listen to the show and support the show. And they've all been super wonderful. It has been so extraordinary seeing the community come together again, seeing new faces, new names uh, in in the community and old familiar names. Everybody uh, so excited. I, I can't believe it. I'm hanging out in that discord as well. And in the subreddit, uh, it's there's like 14 threads in the subreddit. They're all titled. They're back. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's so nice. It's so nice. It's great. Yeah. Um, and there are uh, there are more ways that you can interact with the community. Uh, a lot of them have to do with supporting us on Patreon because we're fucking capitalist landlords. There, I said it. Yeah, we um we we need the payment and we need it promptly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, you know, we we discussed this when we did come back. Uh, we were going to come back uh, and bring this show back with the uh, generous support of a company that was going to be funding uh, the endeavor. And uh, we decided, you know, as as 2020 became 2020, and that mm-hmm. company had to kind of tighten their belt to make sure their people were safe. Uh, that there aren't be- companies anymore is the problem. The what problem happened is, is no more companies. There are just uh, roving city-states like uh, yeah. like in Mortal, Mach- Mortal Machines. Mortal, what was the name of that garbage movie? I really liked it. Uh, mortal. Uh, there's a lot of movies about roving city states. I don't know. Oh, oh, Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. Yeah, bad movie. Boy, that's trash, and I love it. Anyway, <laughs> this isn't about Mortal Engines, though. You should listen to my Mortal Engines podcast. His Mortal Engines podcast <laughs> is very, very long and very detailed. Yes. It's like there's six hour episodes each one. 
And, and each one covers five minutes of the movie. <laughs> so we rewatch it five minutes at a time and then discuss that five minutes for six hours. I'm literally making fun of one of my other podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so as we brought it back on our own, um, we decided to self-fund this. And obviously, you know, uh, in order to do that, we we reached out to the community again and asked you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash we have concerns uh, that will get you access to the discord where you can hang out with other concerned citizens. Uh, you can get early episodes. You can get basically like in, an entire second show. That is our conversations we're having as the episode starts. And those are just getting longer yeah. and longer. And I love it. Yeah, we uh, we we hang out. We talk. And then you hear the little snippet of that to start each episode. But the entire conversation is recorded and given to folks that are supporting us. It doesn't take a lot to support us, honestly. It means a lot, but it doesn't take a lot. And we're so grateful for every single one of you that does support the show. It is the only way the show is possible. And uh, we try to give you some, you know, some interesting stuff in return. Yeah. So if you want to check that out and you want to help support the show, uh, you can head to patreon.com slash we have concerns. Science, Anthony. Science. I guess we should start talking about it. We're 30 minutes into our science podcast. It might be a good idea. If, it seems like we've uh, we figured out all the, maybe not all the science, but at least all the yeah, I can think of at least one. I can think of at least one science we're really trying to figure out right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of, <laughs> there's some research that needs to be done. That's true. But at least we know the the heading under which that science would be filed. We we know the schools of science. The schools of science. Exactly. We know. It seems like it seems to me as somebody that w learned science, and you had your biology, your physics, your mathematics. You have all these divisions of learning. You have subdivisions you have archaeology and sociology and it seems like we've we've done divvied up all the different kinds of learning that we can we can find it it's rare when new entirely new schools of science are invented whole cloth i mean we, there we were times i tried to do it for college credit <laughs> yes. I tried to I tried to create some independent studies and boy I got slapped down real hard. Yeah, when when Anthony went in and said it's not so much an interdisciplinary study, it's a completely new disciplinary study. Mm -hmm. Not picking from multiple disciplines, it's inventing one that just didn't exist before. Yeah. Yeah, and it was megamanology and it was the study <laughs> of playing Mega Man all the time. <laughs> No, they didn't buy that. They, they didn't, didn't buy. buy they didn't it. go for that. Surprisingly, did not work. It didn't stop you from studying it. I though. only got three credits for it, and I was hoping I was hoping to get nine. <laughs> I did go to school that. in Florida, so <laughs> if you show up and you pay your money, it'll give you something. I was assuming that was drunk. some sort of. I thought that was maybe some sort of deep cut Mega Man sequel number reference that I wasn't picking up on. Well, nine is nine is the good one. And three is yeah. pretty bad. So, so you're works. welcome. You're welcome for that well thought out joke. I'm working on levels here. That's why they should have given me that degree. Yeah. Yeah. It is a new field of study called uh, make shit up because it, it, it ology. That's right. Anyway, uh, over at the University of Idaho, there is a, a woman named Lida Kobziar. Kobziar? Kobziar. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think I I think they're all right. 
<laughs> you know what it is? Is she's a triple hyphenate, and it's all spelled the same. Yeah, but all three of them are pronounced differently, and you nailed it. And I can't believe <laughs> you nailed you. it. Yeah. Anyway, Lita has invented a new field of science. Uh, no, and the, surely not. This, this is an extraordinary thing. Listen to the name. It is called pyroaerobiology. Oh, baby. Pyro meaning fire. Yeah. Aero meaning air. Yeah. Biology meaning little tiny bits of stuff. Yeah. So Lita has She's studying Pontiac Firebirds. <laughs> and the when... dudes who and the dudes who own Firebirds. And the dudes who launch them through the air <laughs> off of sick ramps. <laughs> uh, no, she has absolutely uh, invented a the research of looking at the microbiomes that exist in smoke what? and are carried are carried across vast <gasps> distances by plumes of smoke and deposited deposited in new areas I on earth i love this this is something that's been happening for millions of years dude when, i love this when a forest catches fire for example in that smoke are are swept up millions of particles as you might imagine yeah but what nobody really knew until now is that a lot of the stuff that's in smoke are living organisms no that makes sense you've got you've got little microbes and little microscopic creatures and bacteria and all this stuff that can stick to to vapor and yes. can be carried by vapor like why not but what Ms. Kobziar uh, has said is the most surprising element of this, uh, this field of study is that so much, so much of what is discovered in the smoke it, it, as microbiome is, or microorganisms are still alive. They are, the, a thing, yeah. fire has burned something. And you would imagine that little bits of the burned thing and little bits of the microbes that lived inside the burned thing would be kicked up in the smoke. I think that's an intuitive, you know, thing to imagine. But I think I would just intuit that most of that is in dead stuff, mm -hmm. is ash, is burned up. But what actually is the case is that it's a whole bunch of living things that so are spread all over the earth when the smoke settles and contribute to how DNA is spread across the planet. We're talking about extremophiles. Are these, are these Extre extremophiles? Yes. A lot of them are extremophiles and a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't. A lot of them. So extremophiles are organisms that can live in extreme heat or yeah. cold my favorite example of them well everybody's favorite example of them on the internet is tardigra tardigrades water bears yes, so they, they can live in space they can live on earth uh they can eat green eggs and ham they can do all of it <laughs> but so like one of my favorite examples of it was I, this was such an influential movie to me was the james cameron's uh, aliens of the deep yeah, uh, which was his IMAX movie that he made after Titanic, where he went down in a submarine with IMAX cameras like he patented yeah. the whole thing. And he this goes, is the movie that you've committed to bringing up every episode now that we're back. Yes. 
Have I done yes. it every episode now? I hope I so. so. <laughs> you can get it on Blu-ray. You should. It's so yeah. good. But part of it was he's showing like the little the little extremophiles that go in and out. They do this in Planet Earth too, in the original Planet Earth. The little extremophiles that go in and out of um, the basically undersea volcanic vents. Right. And then right out into the freezing water. So we're talking about negative hundreds of degrees of water and then right yeah. into like 400 degrees Celsius air vents and they're alive but you've done that before it's uh, it's thrilling i'm sure the the, those organisms are having a great old time they're like tiny uh, they're like microbial finish people (laughs) yeah there's like the the polar bear what's the uh the polar bear club yeah the polar bear club they're just all hanging out in the polar bear club it's like the finnish sauna where you sit and you and you you sit in extreme heat and you hit each other with like big leaves and then you yeah. go outside into the cold and you just jump into the freezing water. They love that shit. The Finns <laughs> are the largest example of extremophiles we have on record. They're the only extremophiles that can be seen without a microscope. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not Finnish know that. people? The Finns. Yeah. The Finns, everybody. And, <laughs> and their language sounds like, a, um, like an old cassette tape being played backwards. Huh. Fun Finnish That's... facts. <laughs> so these... Are a, a lot of these are extremophiles that uh, these organisms that she's detected, but a lot of them are not, which is also another surprising thing that somehow things survive in the smoke that wouldn't have survived in the burning flames. They're kicked up in this this chaos of a fire. And is they first of all, is they little phoenixes? They might be. Is they little? They might be little teeny phoenixes. Is probably little phoenixes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's why she calls herself the Order of the Teeny Phoenixes. <laughs> um, the there are two things that I find most fascinating about pyroaerobiology. Okay, first first is how Ms. Kobziar came to even investigating this and even deciding it was a new field of science. She learned about the fact that ski resorts when they are shooting fake snow onto the mountain, when they're trying to create snow, they inject bioorganisms into the solution, into the water that they're freezing to spray over the, uh, over the mountains because there are little bioorganisms that can help ice crystallize. I think about this all the time i think about things like this all the time this is wild go on so when she found that out she realized oh my gosh if if there are if there are little uh little bioorganisms that can little microbes that can help ice crystallize i'm sure there are lots of them that help nature do lots of other kinds of things and if they are sprayed in this mist if you've ever seen a ski resort spray snow you know it's yeah. not like big chunks of snow it's not a snowball rolling down no, mountain. it's like a slurry it's a, it's a mist yeah. yeah and she figured if if they're care if they're easily carried this way there has to be other kinds of things that can carry them and that brought her to smoke now the other thing i find fascinating about this field of study is how they do it so they do controlled burns and mm-hmm. most of the time they're just you know teaming with um, farmers and other wildlife wildlife conservationists who are already doing controlled burns. 
and they visit the site and they load up a bunch of drones okay. and they fly the drones into the smoke to collect samples and then immediately, uh, you know, put them in a sterile environment and analyze them. But the, the actual methodology of this is fascinating to me. They have to take a, an air sample that's the, the, the constant, right? That right. doesn't, wouldn't be affected by the, this is um, the, this is the normal amount of these creatures that are floating about in the air. Yes. And they don't want it to be contaminated by the incendiary material. The, the, since it's a controlled or capitalism. Burn, right. That too. Uh, they don't want them to be, you know, controlled by the man. No, is what the it microbes is. need to flow free. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as long but as so, like you're being cool and like the other microbes are being cool, like why does the government even need to get in on it? You know what I mean? They don't need to do they that. Don't need let's, to do let's just let's just find some microbes that haven't watched a lot of advertising yet. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> so what they do, they, they, of course, they are they are starting this fire with an incendiary device with a with an accelerant, and so they don't want to contaminate the sample. They want to be able to you know, understand what that has injected into the smoke itself as well. I find all of that very fascinating. The, the steps that are taken to make sure they are analyzing exactly what the smoke is kicking up. Yeah. And what they find is that yes, it is microbes that you would expect to find on the things that are burning. So if it's trees and crops and stuff, it's the same kind of, microbes that you would find on those trees and in those crops when they're living but the 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 fact that they're alive and the the distance that they are carried means and the fact that this is happening for has happened for millions of years means that this is one of the key ways that life has diversified across our planet see this is what i was hoping we would get to this is what i think about all the time this is what i think about all the time i think about um a bug gets caught in your car at a gas station when you're on a cross-country road trip right yes yes you take this bug you drive it all the way across country without knowing it you open your window and now all of a sudden you've got a bug in one area of the country that's not normally there what happens right Right? right. I think about stuff like uh, you think about a bird carrying a leaf to a nest and there's a microbe uh, right. three miles away that doesn't exist in the area where that nest was. And now it does. And what does that do? And what's happening on a microscopic level all the fucking time? This story was actually sent in to us by Cecilia Rain on uh, our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash we have concerns. We appreciate that. Awesome, awesome folks there submitting stories. And I, I'm fascinated by this. I think, you know, we've talked so often about microbiomes and microbes in general. It feels like this really cutting edge piece of science yeah. and, and research. Everybody is, is figuring out new ways to, to look into it and what it means. And, and well, it's a, bit of, at, it's a bit like what we talked about last week, right? Which is like, okay, I'm me, but yeah. what does that mean? I'm, I'm actually a system of like a system of living things and a system of replicating things, you know, not just on a, not, not just cellular level when I talk about replication, but like depending on the bacteria that's in your gut, you are, susceptible to certain allergies you're susceptible to certain diseases to certain extents we don't even know and right. they they've, they've done studies where like if you have a pet in the house 
you and your pet have similar gut bacteria, then you you have more in common in your, with the gut bacteria than you would have if you came up across another of the same breed of the same animal from somewhere else. And like it, yeah. the, there's an idea that it makes you both hardier as a species to be sharing this gut bacteria in the same place. Yeah. It's and, and, wild. and that's kind of what's what's happening over the the surface of the planet when it's carried by smoke. Uh, they're they're discovering bacteria, they're discovering archaea, and they're discovering viruses. Uh, even though they haven't really uh, started looking at, at how viruses are are transported by smoke. Oh, they're that's from China. Something. They're from China. <laughs> right. They come over on a plane from China. <laughs> but. What's so fascinating? Where there's smoke, there's China. I always say, "Hey, uh, whoa, that's your one, Anthony." There's that's smoke. Your that's one. not even. That's not even a dad joke. That's just a general idea that I have about the world. Oh, okay, fair enough. I got it from the president. <laughs> you be- the best ideas from the president. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what, what's what is wild is that yes, tree has bacteria on yes, it. Yes, tree has tree bacteria. Burns, right, tree burns bacteria tree burn. and smoke. But what they're finding in the smoke is bacteria, archaea, that comes from deep into the soil, deep underneath the soil, stuff that would never have been transported in any other way. You could imagine that some of these microbes are transported from a tree in lots of other ways, like you're talking about with the, you know, the fly on the windshield and all mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of butterfly flaps its wings chaos yeah. theory. But this is literally churned up in a a violent act of this forest fire. And that, even the stuff that's deep down in the soil, even stuff that shouldn't be able to be transported because it's so inaccessible. Yeah. Is blown across miles and miles and miles of landscape with these enormous fires. It's it's fascinating. So I I would imagine this is way outside the scope of, of this study. Um, but it's interesting to me. I mean, obviously the world uh, and and all kind of like wildlife, living things, nature, we've, it's all evolved over millions of years. So you would imagine that this is a system that, that works and is a benefit by design. But I wonder if they have, uh, if they've begun to look into, or if they are going to begin to look into um, how much this stuff, this sort of cross pollination, I guess I'll call it is, is helpful versus hurtful for individual biomes and environments. Uh, this article in Popular Mechanics, which is actually an interview with Ms. Kobziar, uh, she talks about this in, in particular. She says uh, that some of the potential risks associated with traveling microbes are that it can cause a massive allergic disturbance to the respiratory system of both humans and animals, uh, organisms that can cause disease in plants like crop pathogens uh, or in animals or in humans can be transported and enter into sensitive populations. Um, and they're looking at w- way more ideas about how this can actually be a, a problem. The fact that, you know, <laughs> as you and I have lived through massive wildfires here in California, there's a lot of damage that the fire does. There's a lot of, of scary stuff to think about that way, but nobody has thought about how it may be disrupting the breathing patterns of humans, animals, and plants, just because things are picked up and moved huge distances through those plumes of smoke. And it's, you know, it is, and it does feel particularly relevant, even though it it is different, but it does feel relevant to today in terms of like 
as much as I was joking as it comes from China, like it's funny to think about how we are now carrying uh, microbes, bacteria, viruses farther and faster than we ever have. Not just, you know, not just the environment, which is this is happening naturally and this is sort of a system that evolved, but now we're taking it and it's like, I have a cold, I go to Spain, I get off yeah. the plane, I cough, and now Spain has this cold that they've never had before. Right. Uh, and it's yeah. wild to think that, like, this is so illustrative of how small this goes down, like, how just fundamental this is to the way things work in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. this is, we're seeing a major negative of it right now, but this is like a huge, this is a huge way that life actually becomes spread and becomes stronger. Yeah. And it has a huge impact on weather and climate change as well. Uh, they say that because as she was inspired to do this based on, you know, ice crystals forming in uh, ski resorts, they're finding that a lot of these, a lot of these microorganisms are actually ice nucleators and could have a huge ramification on how climate is affected uh, when the smoke goes into the atmosphere because it ch literally changes the temperature and the uh, the potential for cloud creation wow. and uh, global weather patterns. It's wild. This is really fascinating. This is, yeah. I, man, I think... I think about that all the time. I remember I used to just sit and I would see like a bug on the windshield, like when my parents were driving and I'd be like, we are taking this bug to a world that this bug does not know. We're taking this bug to a place that this <laughs> bug never imagined it would see. This yeah. bug is never like, listen, I know this bug doesn't have enough brain to know this, but sorry, bug, you're never going to see anything you know ever again. We're yeah. about to blow you, your damn bug mind. You, you just caught a ride to what is basically a an alien world for you yeah you just, you just went through a wormhole into a completely new realm and i've just yeah <laughs> and i've always just been like well what happens now like what happens if, if two of those bugs exist there and then all of a sudden you know you think about it on a large scale and you think about things like hawaii or australia where it's like mm, we brought in too many snack so yeah. we got to bring in mongoose Whoop, too yeah. many mongoose what, what killed mongoose let's bring that in like no 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 yeah. don't do that yeah, yeah that, that domino effect is something you do not want to start and it's why uh, it's just wild to think about like these these fundamental principles just go down all the way to the microscopic level it's weird yeah. man it's weird i love it and how rad is it that this is basically a completely new field of study that somebody went uh, i hey, invented I this yeah, I invented this when I was a kid. Oh, you invent you invented the car radiator version of this. I made I made this up. I did this yeah. science. This lady will see me in a court. <laughs> I don't know which court. <laughs> the court of public opinion. The court of for sure. science court for sure. I think I'm, I'm dusting court. off Anthony Carboni. Science lawyer is probably coming back. You're gonna represent yourself in science court. Listen. Of course, I'm going to represent myself in science court. <laughs> Seeing as how you're the only science lawyer. I'm literally the only science range. lawyer <laughs> that I know right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. I invented this. Bug on windshield was me. Bug on windshield was me. Yeah. I, you rest on, your case, your uh, honor. Bug on leaf, that bird carry. That was me. I made was this. You. No one else made that thought. 
I was a brilliant child and no one listened to me, Jeff. And that's the problem. Do you know how much yeah. farther along the world would be today if they listened to my bug on windshield thing? You should, you should have published. I tried I publish. I tried, but I, I, I didn't know cursive yet and I couldn't type. <laughs> Those are two big stumbling blocks. At yeah, that age, I wasn't allowed sure. to, I wasn't allowed to use a pen. I could only use a pencil. What are your demands, though, uh, should you <laughs> eventually win this case? Pyroaerobiology is known as pyroaero... Pyroaerobiology was probably the best Red Hot Chili Peppers album, don't you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by best, you mean least terrible? <laughs> once again, Jeff. Once again. Uh, science doesn't make value judgments. It, it can only compare to other other data. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could. We should invent a new field of study about uh, comparing the relative awfulness of Red Hot Chili Peppers albums. Wow! Wow! I I, I there are not many bands that I despise. <laughs> <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers are one of them. I know, and you're raising an EDM DJ, so that I says know. a lot. It does. That says a lot that you can't listen to the Chili Peppers. <laughs> what if I was like a huge Chili Peppers fan? What if like, what if, what you if, would what, have uh, words. what if what just happened right now was you said that and I got so mad because I was such a huge <laughs> Chili Peppers fan. You, you like turn the camera and it's, uh, there's a giant portrait of Flea on your yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I have a life-size <laughs> cut out of Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> it's just Kiedis. As far as the eye can see, it's just Kiedis, Kiedis, Kiedis. On the place where like I would normally have the, the plaque that says live, laugh, love. It just says zoodle, doodle, dang, a ding, a dong, dang. <laughs> Blood sugar baby. It's magic. Oh, Welcome to your Carboni household. Oh, shit. You know, <laughs> you think everything that you grow up with is cool and then you're wrong. Um, yeah. This is really fascinating. Uh, I would love to hear what other concerned citizens think about this and what other concerned citizens think about our first story as well, about uh, yeah. what screens are doing to our brains and to the brains of children. Uh, there's so what can we do? What can we do to invent our own science? Let's get on that. I want to be, oh, I want to yeah. found a science. Can we found a science? Please? We got to found a science. That's where all the money is. That's where that sweet science money resides That's, in the in the new fields. You get science residuals. That's <laughs> how it works. That uses your science. Yeah, that's they have how, to pay you. That's how the Nobel Prize works. I think is you get science residuals. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let us know what our new science should be. Uh, you can leave that on the you can leave that uh, uh, on the Facebook group. You could leave it on the subreddit. If you're a patron, you could leave it on the Discord. Jeff and I are there all the freaking time we're there right this moment i'm fact. literally we're literally recording this over discord so yeah. what about that that's Boom. what they call dog fooding i don't know what that means but i lived in san francisco for four years and so i heard it a lot <laughs> so you uh, had some learnings in san francisco i wouldn't say that so <laughs> and also if you have stories that you'd like us to cover those are all wonderful places to leave them or you can email them to us at we have concerns show at gmail.com we love hearing from you uh you can uh, you can find us on twitter as well but that's not a good place to send stories so no. just stick stick with the stick with the rivers and the streams that the, you're used to you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i wish you could have gone into like a, a red hot chili peppers thing and I instead know. you went tlc which just proves how much you hate the red hot chili peppers <laughs> uh don't exactly. worry that's exactly right don't worry don't worry, uh, don't worry fellow pep heads <laughs> pepsters we call ourselves don't worry pepsters i'm gonna give jeff a, a big talking to when this episode is over and we'll see you next week uh. <laughs>
I'm telling you, me and the rest of the pe- puppeteers are very mad with, with you right now. How dare you? We call ourselves the flea, 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 fa- flea fanatics. You guys only ever, you have your, uh, your meetings under the bridge. We have them all under the bridge downtown. 